Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Thanks for joining us. So we're us. doing a, a double podcast this week release. Uh, we just did one covering all the Russia phobia stuff. And now we're going to talk about the crazy sexual assault um, rape allegations that have been just taking over, you know? And um, there's so, so much going on and, you know, the Me Too thing and the Harvey Weinstein thing. And it's just kind of exploded over the last couple of weeks with allegations and other people being outed as sexual predators in, in a lot of different industries. So, yeah. It's, Should uh, we just jump right into Harvey Weinstein, or did you want to say anything to start? The last time we really delved into this subject was um, after the Bill Cosby allegations became like a tidal wave that you know couldn't be denied anymore. Um, we did a podcast about the idea of this this concept of a conspiracy of silence. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who you know say that conspiracies to a certain level usually aren't technically possible because there's too many people you know out there who would say something or blow the whistle or report it to authorities um but what came out of sort of this the bill cosby rape allegations and um jimmy saville and uh you know terry richardson and all these other high up like protected you know sexual predators slash rapists was that it sort of proves that that's not necessarily the case that you could have people very high up in the entertainment industry or who have power who are able to get away with heinous shit for decades. And for some reason, all their colleagues, their bosses, their employers, just keep it under the rug, brush it under the rug and keep it silent um, to protect their employee. Um, Or even people who are underneath that employee, like people, you know, uh, who are like lower down the totem pole or are afraid, you know, of losing their jobs or being smeared themselves. So, um, I mean, we, we can go into it in more detail once we get into Weinstein, but the Weinstein thing specifically, I think really reveals almost in a way more than the Bill Cosby stuff, just how much there can be like a conspiracy of silence in a very huge industry with hundreds of people who are household, like, a-list actors and famous people's names who are all could have been, you know, hiding this for many, many years. Um, and that's very revealing. And, and it really begs a question how much of this stuff goes on in other places and what other kinds of like conspiracies of silence like this exist, you know, not just about sexual assault, but other things. So that's yeah, good my point about the conspiracy about of silence, uh, because we always say, oh, how could they keep it secret? Look at this is a perfect example about masses amount of people in a certain industry that's extremely um, transparent in other ways, right? And also very um, news-centric. It's constantly being written about, constantly being prodded at. Um, And this was being able to be have a lid kept on it for decades. Um, He was raping several A-list actresses. Um, Based on all the allegations that have come out, it seems like he tried to fuck or either, um, you know, sexually assaulted pretty much every single actress that he wanted to in almost every single one of his productions. And, and every single one of these stories comes along with an assistant, right, that's setting up these meetings. Um, how many people, how many employees, a lot of them are female, too, who were setting up the hotel meetings, um, 
co- coercing the actresses to come and meet him, knowing exactly what was going on. And when you say how many industries, I really think it's every industry, Robbie. Um, it's not just the entertainment industry. I think it's, uh, I think it's really pervasive uh, across every industry because we live in an obvious patriarchy where this is so normalized that it's just almost looked at as, well, that's just the way it is. Um, and you even see, you know, Seth MacFarlane and people coming out saying like, oh yeah, we made a joke about this a long time ago. That's insane that, that this was so normalized and conditioned that you're just like, oh, we can just kind of laugh about it. Um, well, and just, just like nod to other people be like, ha ha. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at the Seth MacFarlane thing. I guess the way I saw that was more like he was trying to hide like, uh, a very controversial reality in the form of a joke. Like the fact that he did that at the Oscar nomination announcement ceremony probably like sent some shockwaves. But what, but what, but do you, but what he said was extremely offensive. Also, he said, you no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. So basically telling women in order to get anywhere in Hollywood, you have to pretend to be attracted to a real life Shrek doll, like a disgusting, fucking crazy looking troll um <laughs> yeah, i think I'm, that's really bizarre that he was just like yeah you guys no longer have to like fuck this guy haha ha. <laughs> i don't know i mean i get i get it he's like a crude banal asshole um and 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 according to him he was trying to like bring up the you know in the form of a joke but to me i found it also offensive because it's just like not really the framing that i felt like was daring enough of course but i mean even still uh, it's, I mean, it, it, it does show how even something like that, that that's proof that a lot of people, I guess the only reason I think that that's, you know, it's not terrible that you did that is it's like, it's in retrospect, it's proof that it's tons of people must have known tons and tons who just didn't say anything publicly. Um, so that, I guess that's just revealing it for that reason. Um, yeah. So when we talked about the sexual assault stuff before was in the wake of the Bill Cosby allegations and Terry Richardson, the photographer, that famous photographer that poses with Kate Moss, everyone from Kate Moss to Lindsay Lohan to Barack Obama and was the vice premier photographer, very sleazy, rapey dude who molests several women and takes advantage of them um, to do these photo shoots and stuff. So you can check out that podcast, but the Bill Cosby thing I think is more akin to the Harvey Weinstein thing where it's someone who is in such an incredible position of power. Um, and Harvey Weinstein, I think is, is even more so, um, that you, like you said, there's a conspiracy of silence for decades and decades around this person where, you know, even today, Bill Cosby is just totally free. For some reason in the U S we have a statute of limitations on an insanely serious crime, rape. Um, one of the most severe crimes you can commit. And for some reason, if you drug and rape women for years and and have sex with their dead bodies, their dead lifeless bodies, which is what Bill Cosby did for decades with dozens of women, he's just scot-free. He's just scot-free and he's just like, a, and he even tried to go, he even had the audacity to try to go on a tour to talk about false rape allegations. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. That was, uh, that was really strange. I don't think he actually ended up going on that tour. But Good yeah. God. Good God. And his wife is still sticking by him. So moving on to the Harvey Weinstein, I think that that kind of like greased the skids for this shocking story. And I think 
the reason that it's so shocking is because how close this dude was to Hillary Obama. I mean, he was going to the White House every month. He was doing huge fundraisers for Hillary Clinton. So, of course, the right wing is all up in arms about how, you know, the pedophile rings again in Hollywood, of course, not mentioning Trump's sexual assault admitted on tape. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's easy fodder. But at the same time, it is really, really crazy that this like big Democratic powerhouse producer who owns two production companies um, responsible for dozens of Oscar, you know, award-winning films, worked with dozens of A-list actresses. And to see these harrowing stories come out one after the other of actual rape and sexual assault to the point where I, I, I'm just stunned, you know, I'm stunned. And it really just comes down to the whole, why didn't they speak out? Everything that you see is, oh, it's their fault, right? I, I can't tell you how many responses I see of people saying, why didn't they come out earlier? It's their responsibility for not exposing this guy. Yeah, I, that's a really frustrating talking point you see. It's oftentimes from just people who are, you know, more right-leaning more misogynist in general, but what's to me more more revealing in that statement—that's some people's like go-to defense or deflection method—is that really it's not about the victims as much as why didn't people who knew this was going on who weren't being victimized by people like Bill Cosby right. speak out? Because there was obviously a shitload of people. He had a fixer that would like make sure cars were there to pick up the women that he raped. You know, came and got them. Make sure that they like you know, wouldn't call, like, I mean, there, there's Hollywood fixers who exist to, like, bury this type of stuff, too. Um, and they're not, like, you know, clandestine figures who, like, are only working for the actors. Sometimes they work on behalf of, like, the studio system, and they're already in it. The movie Hail Caesar is, like, sort of all about the old Hollywood fixer system, where they would actually set up actresses with fake, um, not fake, but they would actually, like, do arranged marriages. So if like an actress would get like pregnant out of wedlock, they would do an arranged marriage so that it wouldn't get in the press that she had like a child out of wedlock. So her, her stock as an actress wouldn't go down and stuff. So imagine, I mean, and to think that there was actually a fixer for Bill Cosby's like strength, like serial raping. Um, yeah. Like someone going to Mexico and picking up the drugs. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what the hell? Was that actually really part of it? No, no, I'm just okay. joking. <laughs> Picking up the horse tranquilizer from Mexico and, and bringing it in the vat loads to Bill Cosby's house. I wanted to just talk a little bit more about Harvey Weinstein and the allegations because it's so widespread. I mean, as of today, over 40 women <clears throat> have come forward. Um, one more just yesterday <clears throat> accusing him of actual rape of a woman who was in a hotel room. She was dead asleep in her bed. He pounded on the door force himself in there and then force himself on top of her and raped her. It, it is it is amazing to have people like Angelina Jolie, like Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, come out and say, yes, I was sexually assaulted and and um, this happened to me. You know, it really validates it when you see these really, really high profile actresses coming out. But I think the part that's missing is a lot of the lesser known actresses who came out and also the people who left acting entirely because of their sexual assault stories. And this is actually really tragic because it makes you think of how many people um, did he, how many people's lives did he ruin? How many people left acting forever? It brings up a lot of really sad implications. It brings up, yeah, that that's one of the saddest. How many people refused all his 
come-ons and, and, and his aggressive behavior and attempted rape. I mean, we don't, we don't know the extent of how much of this, you know, most of it seems like sexual harassment, power play dynamics. But then when you, when you factor in the rape stuff with it, to me, there, there is a fine line sometimes between that kind of power dynamic, sexual harassment, uh, power dynamic, predatory behavior with actual rape. Right. Um, and I don't think most people understand that. They, they like to put all these things in like a binary. They think that rape means you're literally like, you know, binding a woman's, you know, hands behind her back and forcing yourself upon her while she's screaming no, no, no the whole time. I, I would be willing to bet that's not the norm, normal kind of what's characterized as rape, which is rape defined under the law. And I'm not talking about like the Swedish rape law, like, you know, stuff that makes it even more all encompassing. I just mean that, you know, sometimes if you're a very large imposing man um, and you sort of, you know, are aggressive about your sexual come on towards a woman, there are instances where that woman might be, you know, might, might say no, but then might be uh, too afraid to actually like physically fight back once that man starts to rape them so i mean that's but that's still rape you know if do you know what i mean i mean I'm, yeah no but, of course no it's it's the looming um authoritarian power play dynamics that you're talking about that i i know several men who act that way they seem rapey in their behavior because because it does lead to that it leads to the coercion and um, manipulation of women I think people just don't understand how nuanced some of this stuff is. And even Connor Habib had this great thread on, you know, abuse and rape and how it's, it's, it's so, um, you know, uh, pathologized or whatever, or people, people just have one very specific way of looking at it. They think anybody who's raped, you know, was severely traumatized, um, that there's no sexual arousal involved in it. I mean, he came up with a good illustration of something that just sort of shows you how complicated this stuff is. It's like molestation victims, for example. If mm-hmm. you're molested as a child, a lot of the time, children who are being molested will get aroused. And they don't understand, but it's only like later when they're told, you know, that they were abused, that they'll have a different way of processing it. So, like, you can still get aroused even during rape, but that doesn't mean it's not rape. Like there's so many, <laughs> I guess. There- oh yeah, no, no. It's a good point that you bring up, which is that you're in a relationship with someone because one of the women that is accusing Harvey Weinstein of rape is is now moving out of Italy because the press has been so um, vitriolic toward her because she was in an, in a relationship with him. Yeah. Um, because she was seeing him and she says that he raped her when she was seeing him and still saw him afterwards. So therefore she's totally invalidated by the press and they've been completely insane to her saying- that isn't rape, can't be rape. Um, this is this happens time and again. You just saw the Crystal Castles woman come out yeah. and say that her partner was raping and sexually assaulting her for the entirety of their partnership. Um, horrifying allegations there. It does not matter yeah, that she saw him after that. There is an element of control and domination where he even told her, he said, unless you keep having sex with me, like you are going to be out of the band. I think another another interesting point about a woman who was dating someone and said that he raped her was Trump's ex-wife. Oh yeah. Yeah, he he had like a and, hate and Trump's her. lawyer, Trump's lawyer said it can't be rape because they were married. Yep. 
Yep, he hate fucked her. He was. They were like having like really awful discord in their marriage. They were already like not speaking and stuff. And then one day they just got like a some kind of altercation, and he just raped her. Yeah, and like it's even described in the court documents. This is very uh, disgusting, but I will describe it. You know, it don't you know fast forward a little bit if you if it's too traumatizing for you to hear details about rape. Um, but they describe in the court documents that he just put his penis inside of her with like no, you know, she wasn't even prepared to have sex. Like it was like completely dry. She describes like it, like the friction, like burning her on the inside. He just like, he just like jammed his penis inside of her and pulled parts of her hair out while he was doing it. His own wife. This is the president of the United States. But Robbie, according to his lawyer, it could not have been raped because they were married. Yeah. That's the logic. Yep. Um, four of Harvey Weinstein's victims, or actually a couple of them, I don't know if four, um, but in that big New York Times or New Yorker expose, a couple of them, like I said before, left acting entirely because of this horrifying um, assault. Um, one of them was on Democracy Now! and became like an actual psychologist specializing oh, in wow. trauma. Um, she was very broken up still about it. She was in, she was in acting school. She met Harvey Weinstein at a, at, um, lunch or whatever at a restaurant. Like, like a lot of these people do. He invited her to her hotel room to read a script and he was naked in the bathtub and said, unless you do this, you're not going to be, you're not going to get anywhere. So that was the end of her career at that point. And, and you hear these stories again and again. Um, several other women said, okay, well, I'm, I'm not cut out for this. And also more disturbingly, how many women, um, are not coming out. And you hear the same story too. Like every time a woman comes forward, she's like, the first thing he said to me was all the actresses he had sex with. Like that was like the first thing that he did to try to like coax women and be like, no, here's everyone who's had sex with me. And here's why you have to have sex with me. Here's the flip side of it. And I don't mean this is not in any way to disparage any of his, the people who are victimized by him, but there has to have been a pretty A-list actress out there who did do what he asked and did benefit in their career in that's some way. That's what I'm saying. That's and what that's I'm saying. very disturbing also. And, and I'm not saying that those people shouldn't come forward also. That would actually be really beneficial, I think, if somebody came out and said, like, I've, you know, I've been ashamed of this for years. I did, you know, comply with Harvey Weinstein's demands. Um, and I got these movie roles. And, and I know that he was responsible for giving, you know, making sure I got these roles. Like, because, I mean, yeah, maybe that might not technically be rape, but it's still a form of coercion and sexual exactly. harassment and predatory That's what I'm behavior. saying. You almost have to assume that, and it's really scary. And the Rose McGowan thing, I wanted to get into Rose McGowan in one second, but first I wanted to talk about Lupita. She's so um, awesome, and I and really respect her. She's well. extremely gorgeous. She came out with this unbelievable story, just really detailing the power play that, that Harvey Weinstein did in this. And, and he took her, you know, first he demanded that she goes to lunch with him, forces, tries to force her to drink alcohol several times. She declines, then invites her to a private screening at his home. Of course, why would you ever think anything? You know, it's during the day, you know, his family is going to be there. And of course it's a famous Hollywood producer who's saying, come preview the screen. Like who wouldn't do that? You know? So she goes over there 
And right as soon as the screening starts with all of the housemaids and family members and children inside the movie screening, he takes her out of the room and says, I need to show you something. Not in a million years could she ever have imagined that he would try to sexually assault her like while his family and staff is in this other room. But looking back on it, she was like, that's actually the perfect time to do it. Um, no witnesses, right? And so he takes her in the room, tries to, of course, force himself on her, and also give her a massage and no, all this shit. Well, let me just jump in really quick. Not not just no witnesses, but for her to let her guard down specifically. Right, right, right. That's a great right. predatory tactic. It's like it's the classic move, and we don't have to name names right now. It's a classic move of saying, "Hey, come to my house for a party," yeah. and then when you get there, it's like, "Hey, I'm the only one here, and there isn't actually a party, just me, like just me." It's kind of like that. Yep. It's exactly like that. And so luckily she got out of there. But what's funny about it is her account is the only account that his staff decided to release a statement saying they disagree with her account. (laughs) It's like the only like person of color that has come out on top of like the 35 other white women. And it's just like, he's like, nah, I didn't do that to that that woman. (laughs) It's like, why are you making a statement about Lupita and like no one else that has said this? It's just interesting. It's it's really crazy because she acknowledges, you know, first we got this blast of Rosa McGowan and, and um, Ashley Judd that happened a long time ago. And yeah. for some reason, it's almost easier, I think, for people just in general, and even just me, admittedly, to believe things. Okay, yeah, that happened a long time ago. It's believable. Maybe he can't get away with that stuff as much now. But this actress is like... She's she's kind of new on the scene. Like he's still trying to do the exact same things with hot young newer actresses on the scene now. And yeah. she bravely admits, you know, and I'm sure she's ashamed of it. I think she even says it. She admits that she like she basically did one of the things that he asked um knowing that if she did it that they would like keep him sort of, you know, keep a buffer. He asked her if he could give her a massage. She said no. And then she offered to give him a massage, like a shoulder massage to try to like get him to like not, right? you know, to try to flip the power dynamic. And then this is how creepy he was. He's like, can I take my pants off Yeah. while you're massaging yeah. me? And she said, no. So like she actually, you know, and, and um, Ashley Judd um, also admitted in this recent ABC News interview, again, to much to her shame, she says that um, she agreed to have sex with Harvey Weinstein just so that he would stop being super rapey with her before she left his apartment. She's like, yeah, I'll ha-, like, she, I mean, I don't know if what her exact words are, but she basically told him she would have sex with him once he gets her an Oscar, like kind of half jokingly. And she said she was really ashamed of that. But at the same time, like she felt like she was literally in danger and she didn't know right. how to leave his room. So right. you got to do what you got to do to get the fuck out of there. So, and I think it's really, it's, it's really important to realize that big, men can put out like an air of intimidation just physically it's like unspoken but they do you know just by the fact that they're a physically imposing person is enough to give like a sexual coercion an extra edge of rapiness he was also called a bully by his colleagues and told with all the new actresses that he was trying to sleep with like oh watch out he's a bully yep and and I mean this is I mean this is just more evidence we haven't touched on this as much but more evidence um for this idea of a conspiracy of silence. Courtney Love was asked on a red carpet she's like what would you recommend to any new actress like coming into Hollywood right now? It was like Natasha Leggero like Comedy Central red carpet 
like jokey questions. And Courtney Love said, hmm, I don't know if I should say this. And, she, and she's like, well, I recommend that don't go to a uh, don't go to a private meeting in Harvey Weinstein's room at the Four Seasons. So yep. it's like everybody knew this shit was going on. So for George Clooney and Matt Damon to act like they knew they heard some of the allegations but didn't know the extent of it, I think that they're very much softening what they really knew. They don't want to look well, of like assholes. Not. And 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 twenty years ago, whenever Gwyneth Paltrow said that he hit on her, Brad Pitt like confronted him. And yet Brad Pitt he still knew. continued to star in Harvey Weinstein productions that probably immensely benefited his career. He was in, in Glorious Bastards in a Quentin Tarantino movie. What's really disturbing to me is Quentin Tarantino being silent for so long because Rose McGowan was raped by Harvey Weinstein, right? She also was later married to Robert Rodriguez, who worked closely with Quentin Tarantino. You're telling yeah. me that And he I didn't think Weinstein, know? too. I think he yeah, did. Yeah, you're have telling to- me that he didn't know? And let's talk about what, what happened with Rose McGowan really quick because hers is one of the worst. She was raped. And she was paid out $250,000 with this bullshit non-disclosure agreement, which, by the way, in the writing says you cannot, basically in so many words, some sort of vague enclave about you can't talk shit or like tell people what happens with sexual assault here. Um, Literally in the text of this NDA. Um, And so, again, you're seeing people like Bill O'Reilly paying out, you know, tens of millions of dollars for their sexual assault slash rape victims. But it's very odd that Weinstein and co had a lockdown where all of his victims could not get more than $250,000, which I find very, very interesting. And also, of course, would ruin anyone's career or life, essentially, if they came out with any of the details of this NDA. So Rose McGowan was raped. The only solace that she had was trying to prevent herself, protect herself as a victim from working with him in the future. And even that was proven difficult because as she said later, she tried to renege on some deal with Jeff Bezos's Amazon production company telling him I was raped by Harvey Weinstein. And he said, there's not enough evidence. Sorry. And so, you know, she couldn't even like sell her show or whatever to Amazon prime because it had, it was involving Harvey Weinstein, the person who raped her. And she kind of, I, th- I feel like she was probably marginalized in Hollywood because her career seemed to have been stalled. Like she was a very attractive, I, I really enjoyed her acting in, in the older movies that I saw her in. I mean, she was in um, Doom Generation is like a pretty weird movie that she was in, like when she first got started in Hollywood. And then her career seemed to kind of like have a lull for a while mm-hmm. until Robert Rodriguez sort of resurrected her. With, she was in Scream, Planet you're Terror, right, Scream. Grindhouse, Charmed. There was a long gap. Phantom, Scream, and then boom, there was just a long gap. What happened there? Could it have been because she sued Harvey Weinstein? Probably. If you really think about it, probably. Of course. Um, and you She also, was probably the most high-profile woman to sue him, to be honest. Yeah, and this is completely unrelated. This is just something that came to mind for me um, during this whole thing. Because you have to also wonder, like, if he's this intimidating to women in their careers, like, what else has he done in Hollywood to fuck with people's careers? And just one thing that came to mind for me, this is totally unrelated to the rape stuff, so it may come off as trivial. But think about this for a second. He's actually said, and this is something he said privately and publicly, that one of his biggest regrets in life was turning down Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings deal. Um, because it, the Lord of the Rings like changed yeah. the way Hollywood does business, pretty much. It revolutionized right. things. Weinstein um, later tried to sue Peter Jackson for trying to make three Hobbit movies because he had also given the rights over to The Hobbit to Peter Jackson. 
So he was probably very pissed at Peter Jackson for years, held a huge grudge. And then also you have to wonder why did Peter Jackson's career also kind of flounder after Lord of the Rings? You kind of have to wonder what other kind of power did Harvey Weinstein have in Hollywood to like fuck up other people who he felt wronged him. The Harvey Weinstein thing, as many people know by now, has started a chain reaction of people coming forward with allegations of sexual assault and all types of walks of life and industries. And right after Rosie McGowan brought up that Amazon thing and Jeff Bezos, um, the producer of the show, a female producer of Man in a High Castle, um, outed Roy Price, the head of Amazon Studios. Um, he was sexually harassing many female employees um, at the time, and now he's been let go. So that was kind of at the very beginning of this, and it's been a, like a domino effect since then. This is rampant. This is absolutely rampant. Mark Helprin from Bloomberg News just got outed as a serial sexual abuser and harasser. He used to ask female interns and employees to come sit down on his lap to help him work on his computer. Holy shit. And when a few of them made the mistake of going to sit on his lap, he had a fucking boner. This is how these fucking oh creeps my act. my God. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. Before we get into widening this i wanted to just say one thing that i that i was thinking about in light of the me too and all of the the outing of these sexual predators and the questioning of the victims why is rape the only crime where the woman's eyewitness account is immediately not believed you are immediately a liar until proven truthful the man is immediately innocent until proven guilty. First of all, we know that a lot of these things take years, right? The guilt, the shame, um, the fact that police don't care about rape and will maybe victimize you all over again. Um, there's so many reasons why women don't come out. There's so many reasons why it takes years. So the statute of limitations is super, um, super fucked up, but also the disbelief, um, the normalization of like calling women liars and um, that I don't understand because any other crime that happens, a robbery, a murder, eyewitnesses are a huge part of criminalizing the people who are guilty, right? And prosecuting them. But for some reason, you can get raped, which is the most invasive, horrifying crime I think I can think of other than like torture um, and, and obviously murder. And you still are just immediately not believed. You're still told, well, you need to prove it. I just don't understand. You are the proof. It happened to you. So why do you not believe them? Like, they are the proof. If I was Rose McGowan and I went to someone and told them, like, I was raped, he raped me, and they said, there's no evidence, I'm the evidence. It happened to me. I think you raised an extremely good point. I think it, it really does illustrate that we do live in a very misogynist society where we 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 have this assumption that women lie you know, just in general, people, you know, a lot of men think this by default, even ones who go around pretending to be feminists. Um, as we know, some of them have even been outed as sexual predators. Jamie Kilstein. Um, so, yeah, I think that the general consensus is that, well, it's her word against his. And especially if like the guy does like an outright denial, um, then there is no... Like, for, yeah, that, that societally, you're right. Like, that is how people see it. Um, and that's, that's very, very unfortunate. Um, and I think in a lot of cases, what I just said at the beginning of this podcast is how a lot of people just in their minds, they think that a rape is when a guy like takes a gun, 
you know, to a woman's head and forces her to have sex or, you know, at the, under the threat of murder or physical violence, that is not always how a rape takes place. And I think oftentimes it isn't. It's a little more confusing. It's a lot of times that. the person that you know and that you trust. Yeah. I mean, one of the only times, like, just, just one example of what I'm talking about, I mean, this is not r- related to rape exactly, but like the only time I was mugged um, on, a, on a San Francisco street, um, it was not at all like how I've heard anybody else describe a mugging or anything I've seen in a movie. Like it was, but like I was actually mugged and I thought my life was in danger. Um, I don't know if the guy actually had a gun or not, but he like pretended like he had one under his shirt. Um, but the whole thing with like the whole setup, like building up to it was like so bizarre and just more confusing than it was like an aggressive assault. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. And I feel like a lot of the times that's what how a lot of times like rapes take place. But I've heard stories from people who have been sexually coerced or raped, and it's often like this. Like, I mean, it's often not like, you know, you better have sex with me or I'm going to fucking kill you. I mean, it's often it's not that is all I'm saying. So, no, no, of course. I, I would say 90% of the accounts that I've read and studied are all date rape. Yeah. You know, or friends or whatever. I mean, there's even that guy from the 70s show, Danny um, Masterson, the Scientologist guy who Malcolm there's in several the accounts. Mm-hmm, there's several accounts of, of him um, raping women and then the church covering it up. Um, that's just one. Yikes. That's just one thing. Um but even even like like you're talking about just the predatory behavior too, like it doesn't even have to be rape, but it's like the rape e behavior and the normalization of this type of um, predator culture that we live in. I mean, James Woods is a perfect example of someone who is this predator. Um, you know, he, here he is calling out this movie about a romance between a 17-year-old gay man and a 23-year-old or something like that. When he dated, he's like notorious for dating like people like 50 or 60 years younger than him. <laughs> yeah, he, he was brought like, like a 19-year-old to yeah. a red carpet and he said, and or he, he was asked about like why he dates like women who are like 19 years old and he's like, what, like when you buy a dog, you buy like an old German Shepherd? No, you buy a puppy, idiot. Like he was like, oh my so, God. It's like almost like a Trump's, like Roger Stone style, like, oh my God. Response. Yeah. And Amber Tamlin, the girl who also came out before everything kind of exploded, who's also friends with Rose McGowan. She's, and she's, she's David Cross's actress. wife, I believe. No way. Or girlfriend. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. I had no idea. That's well, so David cool. David Cross just got kind of like fire thrown at him for not rape, but something like I know. call-out it's culture really, is getting really more dumb. Tense. I know. People are like seizing on this moment to mm-hmm. try to like be like, you said something racist 10 years ago. It's like, all right, it's don't. It's like a circular firing squad, <laughs> including, I mean, and I do think Ben Affleck is probably a creep, but like it kind of it backfired on him too when he tried to be like, I have solidarity with the women and Rosie McGowan's like, I fucking told you about Harry Weinstein. You said, <laughs> and he didn't do anything about it. And then like that clip came out of him like fondling that like female oh actress's God, boobs so when weird. she was underage on TV. Is like, oh fuck, like everyone's yeah, getting yeah. fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah, it was really Coming bad. Coming back upon everybody. It was really bad, but it's also like, don't steal the thunder from like rape victims and sexual assault victims by talking about like David Cross saying a racist joke 10 years ago. Like let's, we don't need to go there right now. It's like, I feel like it's taking away from this. Way um, more than 10 years ago. It was like, wasn't it like during Mr. Show? But, but Amber Tamlin comes out and says, you know, 
James, remember when I was 16 years old at a, at Denny's or something, you saw me in Hollywood and said, come to Vegas with me, trying to get me and my friends to come to Vegas. And when I said, I'm only 16, you said even better. Yeah. I a hundred percent, it is a hundred percent believable. Like not even, I don't even know why I said that. It's so fucking obviously true. Um, dozens of women came out afterward and were like, yes, James Wood picked up on me when I was underage. He's disgusting. He's a sexual predator. These are the people that we're talking about. I mean, unfortunately, it's just so much more common than you think. And especially in Hollywood, I can't imagine how common it is. Yeah. And, and, and I just, in terms of James Woods for a second, I mean, he's been one of the most vociferous, um, uh, celebrities to constantly tweeting about Pizzagate. Um, and, and oh my so, god! And, and before Amber Tamlin said that he tried to pick up on her when she was 16 years old, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, I mean, like I already thought this that it's like, why are these people so obsessed with child like molestation cults? Why do some people gravitate towards those conspiracies? And here's an example of a man who is a, who who's a sexual predator of underage girls who's obsessed with Pizzagate. It kind of makes you think. Wow. There's something Freudian about being obsessed with child molestation. There is a very strange crossover between the Pizzagate people and um, sexual predators. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also, you know, look, look, the Harvey Weinstein thing, and I agree with Rose McGowan, the entire company needs to be disbanded. The board needs to be removed immediately because, like you were saying, this is not just Harvey Weinstein. It's obviously every single person on the board who knew, who covered it up. It's the slew of assistants, female and male, who were setting up these meetings, the cars, the phone calls, who were doing the cover-ups, who were dealing with the legislation, the NDAs, right, to shut these women up. There needs to be a huge investigation to the dozens and dozens of people who participated in this. This doesn't just end with Harvey Weinstein. No, I mean, it's... They should be charged with conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, they never will be. I mean, and that's the thing. This reveals too much of the conspiracy of silence, and it will continue. I mean, powerful people can get away with heinous shit. They really can. I mean, it's it's just... It's the way that the world has, has been for a very long time, um... You know, people in power don't have to follow the rules that normal people follow. Um, but it's hard for normal. I think it's hard for just regular, the regular average person to grasp the idea that someone could get away with heinous shit like this for so long and just be able to operate. And even to the point where you mentioned earlier that Harvey Weinstein used, like, would tell, bird, you know, actresses that he was trying to take under his wing, hey, these other actresses slept with me. You should too. He also told like male actors and other like ma like male celebrities in Hollywood stories about the actresses he fucked to like brag to them to show them how powerful he was. Oh, of course. So, so like it wasn't just like you know, maybe it wasn't as well known that he had raped or actually like assaulted women, but it was totally known that he was actually banging a lot of these actors like really young actresses in Hollywood. So that's that's an obvious like power dynamic sexual harassment situation already happening, um, but people probably just didn't you know they were like well this is really like he's like a dirty old man, um, but it's not bad enough to like you know go tell a tabloid or right spill the beans I don't know I mean that's well, the only Terry rationalization I can think of 
the people. You even saw Terry Crews. Terry Crews even came out. Oh my god! And said that he was like fond. He's like a a Hollywood executive at a big party in front of dozens of people came up and just grabbed his dick. Yeah, and fondled it. That's how much like these. That's how much power these people think they have. Um, and Terry Crews is even like, I understand why people don't want to come out. He's like, it's humiliating, embarrassing, and I still am not even going to out this person because there's so many consequences. He's like, all I can do is really just talk about what happened, but I'm still not ready to like name the predator. I mean, it's it's astounding. James Vanderbeek. Uh, what's that? James Vanderbeek said that he was in many situations when he was very young. Doesn't he? Didn't he come from da- Don's, Dawson's Creek? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he claims he was like many times tried to be uh, coerced into sexual situations by like executives, especially when he was younger, and he felt preyed upon. I think he even said that, like almost. That's like- the thing, and there's there's a lot of child predator stuff too. You know, Elijah Wood has talked about it. That kid from Stranger Things just had to pull out of his production company because the agent, agent yeah. was a notorious sexual abuser for decades. Yep. Um, abusing little kids. So this is, there's some sort of sick culture here for sure. And there is a very professionally produced documentary. I believe it's called an open secret. Um, that's about one of these Hollywood agents who was, went to jail for pedophilia and like child pornography and ruined a lot of lives of like child Mm -hmm. actors. And, it's not getting that much play. Like it's, you don't see it getting that very big of so distribution. Weird. I don't see it being promoted anywhere. And that's telling to me because it does mean there's, it's probably the tip of the iceberg in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. Um, and Hollywood doesn't want to, they don't want to do a house cleaning. Look at the way they treat people like Roman Polanski and Woody Allen. If they're not yeah. like oh, yeah. kicked about- out of Hollywood. I mean, then, <laughs> I mean, look at that shit. So Woody Allen married his daughter. His adopted daughter. And yeah. there's like photos of him like you could tell that they had a sexual relationship when she was a little kid. I mean, there's just no doubt about it that he sexually molested a little kid. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. Um, it's it's amazing to me that he is just somehow accepted and still embraced in Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, he's also accused of molesting his own daughter, you know, before that. So it's like, yeah, the Woody Allen thing, I mean... I feel like he's one of those guys who just is like really trying really hard to normalize this idea of like a, you know, a dirty old man, like dating basically like a child. Like he's really like, that's really important to him to like convince society that there should be no taboo um, of doing that. Um, And that's just weird to me that he, that that it's like Hollywood has accepted him. I mean, even Louis CK, you know, the jack off rumors, it's like, you know, what's going to happen with that? Is anybody actually going to come forward? Nobody has so far. Um, but it's like a rumor that's been going around and around in, in comedy scene for a long time. That he jerks off in front of women. That he jerks off in front of women without their permission. Mm-hmm. And, and Just like a Mike Cernovich. Yeah. and But I mean, even like, so, so I guess the Louis C.K. thing is interesting because you can almost see in real time the conspiracy of silence taking place in the sense that everyone pretends they don't know the specific allegations that they've heard the rumors in the scene. Um, and I even watched an exam. I was watching a comedy podcast and you have to imagine how much power and influence Louis CK has in the comedy scene. He's definitely at the level of Seinfeld, Chris Rock, you know, those people for sure. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah. As far as like his level of power. Um, 
So he could probably make or break someone or actually like harm someone's ability to work in the co- in the comedy world if he really wanted to. I don't know if he actually does that, but he probably could. And not just him specifically, but someone who's like like a pro- like producers or people inside the industry who really like him. If you come out as an accuser, those people are not going to like you. They're going to side right. with Louis CK because that Louis CK is their product. Right. Do you know what I mean? So Right, totally. It's not just like Louis C.K. can ruin your career. It's like all the people who prop him up would have it in their interest to help to maybe possibly ruin your career. Yeah, and also it's, his fans would just be like, no. Oh, like, yeah, there's so many too, like, Bill yeah. Cosby fans that are just like, I still, you know, I just still don't believe it. I mean, here's the interesting thing about Louis C.K. is for me, I went through some trouble with it because I didn't want to believe it when I first right. saw that Gawker article from like three years ago. I was like, well, that's really gross. I hope that's not true. You know, I suppose it could be worse. Um, the details, are, I guess, are vague where I sort of rationalize it where it was like, even if he did this, I can still, you know, think he was funny. I mean, I still think his stand-up is funny, but I've come around to actually believing in these accusations um, because I heard him tell an old story on the radio from way before he became famous about how he broke into his um, female – uh, neighbor's apartments when he was a, he says he was a kid so I don't know if he meant when he was like 13 or 17 or 20 I don't know how old he was when he did it but he admits to breaking into female nurses apartments that lived in the adjoining unit to, the, to him and uh, masturbating into their underwear breaking oh into God. their apartments when they were not home and then climbing back in through his window and sneaking back inside so I mean, to me, that's not just normal, like, I'm a pervert, I'm a horny teenager. That's like, you're willing to commit a felony to get off. Now I'm kind of like, oh, and then in the same confession story, we're telling all these sexual confessions, he tells two other stories about how he pulled his dick out to, like, the town retard or something. He calls him the town retard. And then he also pulled his penis out to a retarded girl who was his age, like, in elementary school. The reason I brought up Louis C.K., is because there's a very interesting illustration happening in, in real time. Right now, you can find examples of it. After Tig Notaro, female comedian, came out and said that Louis C.K. needs to deal with these assault allegations, her show on Amazon is produced by Louis C.K. She took a huge risk coming out and like trying to make him confront this. Um, but after she did that, you, I've listened to comedy podcasts where the subject will actually get brought up and you could tell they're playing dumb. You can It's oh obvious. God. They're pretending to have not already heard about the allegations, but then some of them will slip. To me, that's a perfect illustration of this conspiracy of silence because it's obvious how many people know about it and are keeping their mouth shut because they're afraid of damaging their career. This is just this is kind of unrelated, but I heard recently that Quaaludes are actually making a comeback, even wow. though they're off the market now and they're illegal. They're not prescription drugs anymore. There are chemists in China and other countries making them for the recreational market again now. So Great. everybody, watch out out there. Um, you know, it's not just Rohypnol. Uh, it could be Quaaludes. Could be anything. You know, people could sneak into your drink. Um, you know, like uh, this new gas lamp killer story. Um, is a reminiscent of Bill Cosby. Gaslam Killer is this um, piece of shit hack DJ. He's like a sideshow Bob, like clown hipster DJ um, who dances around on stage like he thinks he's hot shit. Um, 
he's fucking terrible. I've always thought he was terrible. Apparently, he actually makes music too, which I had no idea about. Um, but he was accused of raping and drugging two girls at a show. Um, and they, one of them came forward very recently to describe this experience. I believe it happened in 2014. They didn't know what drugs they were given. Um, you know, it seems like it, it seems almost incomprehensible that someone like Gaslamp Killer, who's like Flying Lotus's friend, would be carrying around like Rohypnol or Quaaludes to drug girls. But who, el- who, who the hell else knows what kind of drugs he used, you know? So I don't know why I just went off on that ramp. But Gaslamp Killer is a, I wouldn't really call him a musician. He's a really um, disgusting, kind of just gross dude who's just a kind of a talentless hack. Um, who's in this low-end theory group, who's friends with Flying Lotus. Um, he lives near me. And I see him all the time in LA. And I always thought he looked really gross. And and Mike told me that when he would go to low-end shows, Gaslamp Killer on stage would yell out at the end of the shows, who's trying to fuck? I'm trying to fuck what ladies are down. And I was like, what in the hell? So I knew right then, I was like, this guy is a disgusting like predator. Um, so that's why I wasn't necessarily surprised when a couple weeks later I saw Chelsea, um, that brave woman who came forward with that harrowing story of being drugged and raped by Gaslamp Killer, her and her friend. Um, fast forwarding to the, so the Flying Lotus show a couple days later, where at the end of this epic set, Flying Lotus comes on stage and instead of an encore, he just gives a big rape apology. Um, and I kind of skipped around where to open Flying Lotus's show was Hannibal Burris, out of all people. Hannibal Burris did a, like a stand-up set who outed Bill Cosby as a serial rapist, then goes into Flying Lotus show, then Flying Lotus comes back on stage and essentially says, women are liars, the internet's fake news. Don't believe it. Um, we've all worked really hard to get here, like basically talking about Gas Am Killer. He was playing a Gas Am Killer song. And then he's just like out. He just drops the mic after he says this whole spiel about how the women are lying and the internet's fake news and then just played the Gas Amp Killer song and left the stage. And we were just fucking stunned to the point where Mike was online as someone who is a huge Flying Lotus fan. Mike's been seeing him for over 10 years here. He knows him. Um, And he went off and he said, this is very offensive. This is what happened. And it became a story. To the point where Flying Lotus gave some half-hearted, half-assed apology, not really apologizing at all. But it was just so weird how you can see kind of these worlds colliding where Hannibal Burris was the one who really like, you know, again, made me at least remember the Bill Cosby thing and really brought it to attention and, and caused a lot of other women to come out and caused the news to pay attention again. And then I wonder what he was thinking well, it is odd, and and Flying Lotus um is the is like the musician was the musician on Hannibal Burris' short lived Comedy Central show. He was like the band on the talk show that he had briefly. Flying Lotus is not wrong that he he's worked very hard. He's a really talented, brilliant uh, artist, I think. But I I can't deny that of the influence that he's had. Um, he's really creative. He just made like a really bizarre movie that's like really fucked up and like it just like a crazy um. You know, abstract movie. I think it's called Cuso or something. And also, I, I might add, he was a Media Roots listener at one time. Um, he used to listen to us, I, I think, all the way back in probably like 2012. Um, he had listened to one of our 9-11 episodes, actually, um, hmm. a bunch of times. Um, and I only know this because of the SoundCloud stats. Uh, and he was logged in at the time he listened to it. So, But also, I... 
you know, I put on a show um, when uh, when a bunch of people from his record label went on tour. It was like all the biggest artists on his label besides him at the time. Brain Feeder Records circa, you know, 2013 or something. If you go back to that time period before like Thundercat and those guys were on his label, um, I met all of them. I mean, they seem like cool guys. Maybe maybe they do think these accusers are lying uh, about the you know the rape accusations against Gaslamp Killer and they're standing by their boy. But I mean, how well do they really know this Gaslamp Killer? Well, that's like, that's the main point is that he doesn't know and he yeah. can't know, and that's the problem that I had. Even if you don't believe these accusers against Gaslamp and he's your boy, and you want to you know you're loyal to him, that's one thing. Like that's. To me, that's a bad move also. You shouldn't have done that on stage. You should have waited or something, you know, at the very least. But then even pe- people who don't know anything about this gas lamp shit, who don't even know that he was accused of rape, will just think you're saying like these women who are accusing right. people of sexual assault are that's, liars. Like, think about thing. what you said, man. It's an important moment. It is an important moment. And you don't want to like make any accusers of uh, people who have sexually assaulted them, like feel like, you know, shame them into silence. It was in the Hollywood cemetery. So mind you, it was launching his tour. It was like a huge new unveiling of this amazing revolutionary 3d set with this crazy spaceship going on the audience, like something that I'd never seen before, a really big moment for him and for his fans, to be honest. And in, in, in the setting of Hollywood, <laughs> you're in the setting of the ousting of all the sexual predators at the hub at ground zero. And that's where you made the speech. On top of all of that, that's where you made the speech. And again, because he didn't say Gaslamp Killer by name, so many other people probably were thought that he was talking about the Hollywood stuff. If you want to protect your boy, but if that's the whole point, if that's what you were doing, then why did you, your record label, Brain Feeder Records, and the night that you that you manage, Low End Theory, both released statements distancing themselves from gas lamp and even low end theory said they're like not allowing him to ever play there anymore well and what was really weird robbie i saw the denial um like rape culture unfold just to me because mike and i came out immediately supporting this woman because her account's very believable especially knowing gas lamp killer having you know hearing the rumors before i even knew these rape allegations to see chelsea's account very detailed very scary um, very believable, right? Knowing what we know. And then to see the next couple days um, unfold where sock puppet accounts started to erupt randomly, created just in the wake of her accusations, obviously run by either Gaslamp Killer himself or his close friends, harassing us to the point where they threatened me. They said, I'm going to be watching you. Um, you better watch out. The fuck? Um, if you if you keep doing this, yeah, no, it got really scary. It got really scary, and so these are the people like you like you said scouring Chelsea, the victim, accusing Gaslamp Killer, her her Instagram posts, what she was saying on Twitter, what she's ever done in her life that would make her a liar. There were people like using a post of this of the accuser on Instagram saying like memories like posting like a post of her on that on that day at the Standard Hotel like having a good time with her friends acting like that was proof that she couldn't have possibly been raped on that evening because why would she be posting this on Instagram um that's just doesn't that's doesn't hold water people who respond to to have a traumatic experience re- react in all different kinds of ways right 
Um, It's like, so, I mean, you really have to look at this with a more nuanced lens, I think. And yeah, I think that you should usually trust an accuser, especially if there are multiple accusers, especially if there's more than one. I'd say 99% of the time you should take that at face value. Uh, but the, but yeah, there was like sock puppet accounts, people even just like making conspiracy theories about how she's a, she's an, like an elaborate liar and this is all a hoax with her current boyfriend or something who's done like hoaxes on the internet before. Therefore, she's lying. It's a fake story. Um, and then also, people should be aware that he didn't deny that he brought them back to his hotel room. He didn't deny that he gave them a drink and that it had drugs in it. He didn't deny any of that stuff. He just said it was like a consensual experience and he's regretful that they have like a different interpretation or something like he that. He said something even creepier. He said it was it was like an agreement that they propositioned and I accepted. It was like I accepted their agreement and it was like, what are you talking about? This is an extremely bizarre way to speak about a consensual sexual experience if you're denying what they're saying and there's it was there's, just so horrible to see these sock puppets delegitimizing her and 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 i feel like this is what victims go through it takes it took her years to come out it was a humiliating thing she 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 put it out there and then what does she get harassment her entire life dredged up and yeah basically being forced offline so yeah really got her famous and rich everyone Everyone who's like, oh man, she just wants to get famous and rich off gas lamp killer? You think that that... Okay, name one rape victim who has gotten, quote, famous and for why coming would any, out. People online have this very bizarre false impression thinking that rape... Like, people who accuse others of rape somehow get something positive out of right, it. Right, right. Other than, like, a cathartic, like, moment so they can move on with their lives. They think that they... Like, a lot of people in the music scene are going to think this girl's an asshole for, like, a long time. Even women in the scene, Will, who are, like, mad that she fucking messed with their boy. Like, again, there's a lot of loyalty and back padding and everybody's a bro. Hyper positivity in the, in especially in the electronic music scene that can't, you know, that makes it harder for people to be really principled and truthful and, like, and and be able to come out with information like this. I don't know. I mean, I almost feel like things like the punk music scene and stuff had like a better ability to like clean house. Like there were like anti-Nazi punk sects of punk music, you know, that would like, they're like before Antifa, there were like punks who would drive Nazi punks out of town and stuff like that, who would right. stop sexual abusers and like the punk scene who would like group beat up, you know, they're like vegan punks, who would like beat up like rapists like in their in their collectives and stuff and and the only reason I bring up you know the the punk scene just got me thinking about that and and there's been a term used it's called the missing stare phenomenon where and, and this actually happens in a lot of collective living situations so a lot of actually like music and art scenes uh, turn into sort of you know collective living situations that happen you know beyond college where people living in lot you know warehouse spaces with a bunch of other artists or musicians um and and the missing stare syndrome is so it's like you know say you move into like a house with a bunch of other people and there's a missing couple of stairs on the staircase um you know, you may just tell someone when they move in, oh, hey, be careful of these like two missing stairs here. Um, and it's a metaphor for sometimes how sexual predators in scenes are treated. 
It's like right, you'll be right, right. you'll be warned, but you won't necessarily be given like the full scope of the danger and really like and it's like, well, why don't we fix the stair? Like you you won't even be like they won't even be given an opportunity to have the conversation. Well, why don't we just fix the stairs? No, no, because it's like their house, and it's like you yep. don't want to like impose. You're in their house. Yeah. So it, it's a very it's a very interesting dynamic that plays out in a lot of situations, and that's how sexual predators are often treated, One, especially ones who aren't like don't leave their victims like bloodied and bruised. Well, it's going to be hard to clean house within like the Trump circles if any Trumpers are still listening to this because one of their heroes is an open rapist, Mike Cernovich, and Trump. Who admitted to <laughs> raping um, uh, someone in court documents. Yeah, I mean, he raped someone. He even said, if you haven't been accused of rape, you aren't like doing it right. You're not really a man. So, you know, it's going to be hard to clean house in that circle. Um, Mike Cernovich is a rapist. And remember that don't tase me, bro, dude? The guy who like asked John Kerry that question about skull and bones 10 years ago, he became a police state worshiping bootlicking drone who works for Mike Cernovich. I mean, I know it's not that surprising because there's so many people who we knew back 10 years ago who are now like, like truth Trump turned into Trump bootlickers. Yeah, like straight up like police state worshiping yeah. like dumbasses. Well, look it's what super I mean, weird. Look what it's it's weird. But then if you really think about what we've been talking about for so long on the show is that Alex Jones has almost been like grooming his audience. Right. Who had some healthy skepticism at one time. Yes, a lot of them were dangerously right wing, but that healthy skepticism has turned into like a very unhealthy, like weird government loyalty now. Yeah. It's even more dangerous than before. if you already hated and thought everything Alex Jones did was like 100% horrible. And then now it's like even way scarier. It is. I mean, oh, it's beyond it, where, yeah. where Alex Jones is saying, even there's less chemtrails now, guys. I mean, you notice oh my God. Yeah. He was actually telling, oh my God. Yeah, because, I mean, we're, we're always talking about where's Trump on these conspiracies? Like, if you're an Alex Jones follower and a sycophant, then how? where does Trump fit in with the mass shootings being staged and the chemtrails and the fluoride in the water? I know we've been going on multiple tangents, but really quickly, the JFK files, which we mentioned on the last podcast, have now been released. And the overwhelming majority of them were actually held back. Redacted. Um, about, I'd say, around 25,000 of the 30,000 documents were actually withheld. Sad. Um. And it's just so funny because Roger Stone was even downplaying their release. Like he probably had talked to Trump and knew that it would, that was going to happen. But it just goes to show. And some of the leaks out of the White House also were like Trump, you know, was trying to scurry to get this all released. And he didn't realize like how much the CIA and these other agencies were going to want to withhold. What does that tell you? It tells you that he doesn't give a fuck. He, he wanted to do this to win political points with like his conspiracy base as a probably a distraction. But how are they justifying the fact that he's not releasing all of them? I don't know how they're justifying it, but to me, it's just funny that like he obviously didn't prepare. I mean, that's how they're justifying it, that he was like unprepared that the agencies were going to want to redact this much. But it doesn't <laughs> matter because it shows that he just didn't really put much thought into it, which right. should mean that he doesn't really care. But I mean, there there was some interesting stuff already that came out in in just those three thousand or whatever. Um, more details about Operation Mongoose, um, a pl a plans to assassinate Castro, and in those plans, there was definitely some crossover with Operation Northwoods. Um, so I think they're actually—I don't know if they're actually CIA documents, but it goes along with what we were saying, you know, last time oh, we yeah. talked. Is that? It wasn't just the military. It was like a lot of agencies gaming out these insane scenarios. And one of them involved bombing parts of uh, Miami. 
um, in this document. Uh, I don't. I haven't looked at it myself, but it's look up Operation Mongoose in Google News right now. Find a bunch of hits about it. I mean, that's what a lot of these predators do is they also talk about women like objects and you know like like i mean the i think we've actually gone through this whole story before in the podcast but the trump selma hayek story it sounds silly and almost innocent but when you really tie it into like the behavior of a lot of these sexual predators it's really disturbing it's kind of you remember that story Mm -hmm. that he tried to recruit date her like he he tried to like get his yeah. people to contact her to date him and she turned him down. So put out just for people who don't remember the story or didn't hear it, she he put out a, a a leak in tabloids claiming that he turned her down and the reason he turned down her down is because she was too short for him. Mm-hmm. He like made up some bizarre like trivial story about he didn't he didn't like the way she looked. Even after he tr- he tried to date her through like his people his handlers or whatever. That's what these kind of creeps do. Um, James Toback is the other creepy director who who would just jerk off on women, like on like kind of like Terry Richardson, but even crazier, where he would just do it completely non consensually, just like Mike Cernovich. This is a, a really disgusting dude. Look him up. Very disturbing allegations. But I wanted to to fast forward to really quickly. Um, David Blaine, and then just to get into the origins of the alt-right because it really does relate to rape and 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 um, false rape accusations. Um, really briefly, David Blaine um, also has been accused of raping a model. The story is very disturbing. Um, the model, again, a story of where the model leaves modeling after this happened. Her life was ruined. She said that she, you know she was gracing all these magazine covers. It was about ten years ago when David Blaine was also very popular. He's one of the most sought after magicians in the world. I think he's even like beat David Copperfield with his net value. Anyway, going back ten years, she, you know, they met at a hotel. She really liked him. She thought he liked her. He invited her to this other party the next night. She goes over there. He offers her one drink. She remembers it very specifically because when traumatic experiences happen, they stick out in your mind. Um, she remembers him giving her a very specific glass with one drink in it. She remembered that she didn't want to drink, but she drank this drink and then it blacked out, right? It was obviously a drug in it. And then she just was in and out of this like dreamlike state where he was just anally raping her. And she was like, I never had anal sex before. Like it was really painful. I was in a dreamlike state. He didn't kiss me. He didn't even like say anything to me. Um, Several times after that, throughout the next couple of years, he like, she said like weird, ominous, threatening behavior. Like he would show up, like he showed up one day and was just like, hey, you were a really good fuck. Like, don't, you know, like, like just weird things where she was just like, I like the next day she was even just like, I know that I had sex with him and I did not want to. And what happened? And she said it took her a very, very long time. She said she started just being a recluse. She stopped going to parties. She stopped wanting to be intimate with people. It took her years and years to finally file charges with the police. And and fortunately, in London, or Britain rather, there is no statute of limitations on rape. So she was able to initiate an investigation, which he has not been compliant with. Um, yeah, it was just very strange because right after... This, this happened right after we saw him in Vegas. We saw him with this convention that we were at. And he was acting really weird. Apparently, the rape allegations had just broke and we had no idea. And so we found out right after and we were like, holy shit, that might be his last performance. It was also just very surreal because his first quote unquote trick was him like picking up a wine glass and just eating it. 
And I was like, what the fuck is this? I had no idea that David Blaine was just like, did that. Oh yeah, like, he shock doesn't even value, like, do like tricks Jim anymore. Rose, he like, actually style. just like does he does just like real shit, but like acts like he's not affected by it. So like yeah, that's yeah. magic. Like he sh- actually yeah. <laughs> will shove like a giant like metal like knitting needle through his hand and be just like look, look. Yeah, yeah. And he was like going, super through, somber look. and weird acting. He's you just feel like, it? look. It's like that's not magic, dude. You're just like acting like super yeah. chill. How many beta blockers did you take before yeah, the dude, performance? You, he obviously just trained himself how to eat glass, <laughs> and he just ate it. I was like, this is not magic. It's super weird. <laughs> he just ate a wine glass. It was so strange. What's really interesting about this is we hear and you hear the same mantra every time, just like the Breitbart followers about the the mass migrant rape right at, at Cologne, Germany. The same stories of false rape allegations, the Rolling Stones story, the Duke lacrosse team story, and the Mattress Girl. Um, the Mattress Girl was obviously just like an art stunt because she wanted to be like a performance artist. I don't even know what to say about that. The Rolling Stones story, I don't know what really to say about that. I, I find it really sad that they had to come out with this mea culpa and they were like, we shouldn't have believed her. Of course, you, yeah. should, you should have believed her. You should believe any victims. Or the you Lena immediately. Dunham. The yeah, Lena the Dunham Lena stuff Dunham got, thing. got a co- too convoluted because she admitted to like sexually abu- like yeah. abusing her sister, and she like the she like admitted that she did like um, make up a lot of the stuff about that story. So like people use those to just be like, it's all fucking. Everyone's like making up fake rape accusations. Totally. And the thing that they're missing is that false rape accusations are extremely rare right? Two to 10% are false reports straight out of the gate. Um, A a Northeastern study of 136 rape cases over a 10-year period, only eight of them were coded as false allegations. Um, And and they break down, you know, who actually is it that, that actually does make false rape allegations? And it's always the same kind of person. Criminals, scammers or mentally ill people but that's very very rare very 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 rare right very rarely is about revenge very rarely is it just like random um and again two to ten percent are false reports and then when you go down to the rape kits that are just completely untested when people say why didn't they go to the police that's complete horseshit um i was reading a story that there are so many, there's tens of thousands of untested rape kits that just sit on the, in the offices of, of labs and police stations that are just completely not looked at. And, and there was this one investigation that finally looked at um, the rape kits and they found that there's only like a couple that are serial rapists in any given like city or municipality that have like tens of thousands of untested rape kits. If you actually go and test those rape kits, you'll find recurring instances of serial rapists, which is so disturbing that there are like serial rapists in every city that are just repeat offenders that never get caught or prosecuted because police don't give a fuck. And when you go to police and you're re-traumatized and re-victimized and police automatically think that you're a liar, right? Prodding you, poking you already uh, don't give a shit. They're probably already misogynist. You know, cops are disgusting anyway. Um, I just can't imagine. I just can't imagine someone automatically thinking that because you didn't immediately go to the police with a rape kit the next morning, you must be lying. And you look at all the statistics, it's very obvious why. And, and then and then it comes to prosecution. Well, that's even less. It's like 1.1%. <laughs> 
um, of people are ever prosecuted. Usually the charges are dropped far before. I saw someone online in, in the wake of all this saying, I did take my rapist to court. I was told even after pressing charges that the jury would never convict him. I'd have to convince, I don't know how many people on a jury that he raped me, even though, you know, I even had like text messages and stuff. She's like, and I ended up just dropping it because I was told it would be too hard. So just go, just all of this together, people really need to understand the climate that we're living in. There is very certainly a rape culture and eerily it stems to the origins of the alt-right. And I'm just going to briefly talk about the Duke Lacrosse case. It was another huge uh, false rape allegation again by this woman that I just said kind of fits this archetype of, of, of the accuser who's lying. Very rare, but she did. Um, but this was the origin of the alt-right. Check it out. So I think it was like, I don't know, early 2000s where three members of this university, uh, Duke University men's lacrosse team had been accused of raping this woman that they hired as a stripper. You know, it was a huge thing. It was like the identity politics thing where it just became a big point of contention about how commonplace this is, how much people don't give a shit. Um, an egregious example of the racist, sexist, privileged behavior that permeates elite campuses. Jesse Jackson showed up. It was a very like um, pivotal point of like hammering in on like white privilege and male camp, you know, on, on campuses and male privilege and all that shit. So all these people working at the time for a magazine called the American conservative were hoping to find someone to write about the case. Um, and at the time there were a couple people who were speaking about it. Um, a couple bloggers like men's rights bloggers. One of them, believe it or not, was Richard Spencer, that these guys from the American conservative hammered in on Richard Spencer as one of like the most vocal bloggers talking about the Duke lacrosse rape case. Um, And they hired him and they were like, Hey, this guy's really young. He's fresh. He's delivering this blistering critique of the Duke faculties, you know, rush for, for judgment. We really need his voice. And there was his career born right there. Um, He's now, of course, you know, the person who everyone holds up as like the most famous white nationalist in the country. But it's just incredible. I mean, Richard Spencer even said the Duke lacrosse case changed the course of my career. Well, Um, he said Milo too, right? I mean, didn't Milo get a lot of traction off of that too? Totally. He said it pushed him toward like that academic model and and, and essentially made him create the movement of the alt-right. It's like a breakthrough moment for all of them. It was. Rolling Stone really, I feel like they did a lot of damage to the, you know, just women being able to come forward. Um, They did. That was really fucked up that Rolling Stone ran with that. Um, But I mean, you know, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take accusers at face value, especially when they have nothing to gain at all. I mean, I'm sure that there's, you know, there's people who make false allegations all the time. I mean, even when Obama was, uh, right before he got elected, there was a white girl in like Georgia, I think, who branded like a bee on her face and sa- and then sa- went to the police and said a bunch of black guys like um, burned the letter B into her face and the police determined she did it to herself. Yeah, I mean, there's people who do shit, crazy shit. Right. There are right. crazy people out there. Right. Um, but it's just like, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't believe accusers and and and, and, uh, you know i mean chances are you know someone who's been sexually assaulted or raped who maybe hasn't come forward yet or maybe has to certain people in their you know group of friends but just not you or i mean or they have come forward i mean 
everybody knows a victim of some kind of sexual assault or abuse, even like molestation, if you want to do it, you know, the whole spectrum of sexual abuse. I feel like everyone probably knows a victim. So it's time to clean house and it's time to out the predators and it's time to show solidarity and support for sexual assault and rape victims. Believe women, um, women who have nothing to gain, women who are out there, normal people who are trying to make peace with a horrifying experience in their life that has traumatized them or prevent them from growing as an individual, from feeling less like a human being, from feeling worthless. Don't pile on that mob mentality. You don't need to do that. Um, people will be desperate to try to prevent the accusers from coming forward. They'll do anything in their power, especially if they are in positions of power, to shut you up. But that's why you need to stand in support and offer a hand. Um, it's a scary, scary time that we're living in, but we do have a sexual predator in the White House, and we did before, um, Bill Clinton, who who also is a rapist. So it's time that we um, we clean clean house from top to bottom, but from the grassroots up and from your own circles and families. It starts there. It absolutely starts there. Oh my God, Abby, when you mentioned Clinton, forgot we didn't talk about George H.W. Bush. Oh my God. Can I just briefly yeah. inform our listeners? Oh my okay. God, yeah. If you haven't heard this story yet, so yeah, Bill Clinton's a rapist. It's not Roger Stone or Trump for like making that shit up. He is a rapist. I'm sorry if you disagree with the fact that he's a fucking rapist. Like, get it just let that soak in, okay? Um, he also was a sexual predator at the very. Even if you don't believe he's a rapist, he was banging Monica Lewinsky. Even if it was completely one hundred percent consensual, that's still a sexual harassment power dynamic, okay? Um, so, anyways, George H. W. Bush was recently outed by two different women. Extremely recently, uh, recent occurrences from like 2015 and I think another time in 2014 where he grabbed their ass during a photo shoot with his wife, with Barbara Bush, like in the photo with him. And in one of the instances, he made a joke, which we have now learned is a regular joke that he makes before he grabs women's asses where he says, do you know who my favorite magician is? And they'll say, no, who? Nope. He'll say, David Copperfield. What? And he will grab their ass. George H.W. Bush has a reoccurring joke before he gropes women's asses. And Barbara Bush is so used to him doing this that that one of the last occurrences that he did it, she laughed in front of all the women and said, George, you're going to get yourself arrested. So he can't even chalk it up to like a senile moment and be like, oh, what? He's actually setting up the fucking sexual assault by saying David Copperfield. Yeah. Lock him up, dude. Lock this motherfucker up. Why is he alive? I don't know. What the hell? Have you seen that photo of him surrounded by like Hooters women all wearing American flag socks? I did. Yeah. I mean, I should have known back then. Like, I mean, he's a CIA director. Like, of course he's a creep. Oh, I forgot. He was a magog. In Skull and Bones, which is a debt, which is a character from the Bible, from the Old Testament, but in Skull and Bones language, Magog means you're extremely sexually experienced. It's a designation they give you. His son refused to be named uh, Magog or Gog, um, so like we don't know if he was given the sexually experienced designation. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I want to know what Robert Kagan's designation was. Was he fucking a lot of women before he got with Victoria? Wow. Yeah. 
support and encourage all of your women friends and colleagues to speak out and yeah. and be an ally be an ally and don't be a, a creepy feminist ally who's also a sexual predator and uses that to get close to women well the virtue virtue signaling feminism to get laid is rampant and if you oh, don't absolutely. know that you, you should be pay more attention because a lot of men virtue signal feminism as a way to make women feel safer around them and to make them attracted to them. And, you know, some of them, you know, I, I, I just would, you know, I'm not saying it's all superficial, but be careful of that. That's a real phenomenon. And I just got into like a little mini argument with someone. It wasn't really an argument, but they're a very sex positive um, person. They, they've, uh, they've like done like workshops on sex and stuff. And, you know, they were telling me about how like I should check out kink.com and, you know, some of the work they've done. And I was trying to explain to them, well, you know, I appreciated what kink.com was doing up until when James Dean was outed as a rapist by actual porn stars who've been in many scenes with him. Like I take those, those type of allegations very seriously because they, you know, especially porn stars, I think we really know the difference between like consent and right, non-consent, yeah, exactly. especially ones who engage in consensual rough sex because there's a difference between consensual rough sex or even rape fantasies to be, between that and actual rape and sexual and coercion and predatory sexual behavior. So, right. th I mean, so these are, there's, it's very complicated, but there's differences. And like, it's a bummer that kink.com never really did the house cleaning. They should have. And they're still, you know, James Dean is in like tons of their videos and it's like, you know, you guys are are trying to represent the sex positive, like you can do BDSM consensually and safely, but then at the same time, you let this guy like toxify your whole brand. Like this is a serious problem. And and I just forgot to say one other quick thing. Tippy Hedren from The Birds even came out, you know, how many years after that movie and said Alfred Hitchcock sexually assaulted her. It's never I, I too didn't know, late. I didn't know about the sexual assaulting, but I remember even um, mom when I was growing up, I remember we watched the birds and she even told me the stories about how Alfred Hitchcock was a serial womanizer and adulterer and who blackballed women in Hollywood who refused to have sex with them, including Tippi Hedren. He's like, she's like, Oh yeah, this actress didn't really work much, much again after this movie because <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock blackballed her. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it was like a known about thing. Not wow. the assault, but that was, that wow. was very known about with a lot of directors in Hollywood at the time. I think. Yeah. Unbelievable. Hey, this is Robbie with a, just a quick update here. Since we recorded the episode you just listened to a little under a week ago, there have been many other accusations that have come out against many other high-profile celebrities since the Weinstein uh, accusation started a chain reaction. One of them, um, the biggest one, is is Kevin Spacey, um, an actor who uh, plays a major role on the new Star Trek show, Star Trek Discovery, uh, came out with a story where he's alleging that when he was 14 years old, Kevin Spacey, I believe, was 26 years old, and at a party, he got on top of this, uh, this young actor um, and tried to have sex with him. And another uh, young boy who uh, recently came forward, but anonymously, I believe it's in a Variety article, has said that he had a long-term ongoing sexual relationship uh, with Kevin Spacey when he was 14 years old. I believe in the same 
article, he talks about Kevin Spacey attempting to rape him uh, as well. So it ended with an attempted rape. Jeremy Piven has been accused of sexual harassment. Director Brett Ratner has been accused of um, sexual harassment. He has been accused of lewd conduct on set, exposing himself to actresses, um, unwanted sexual advances, things like that. And uh, yeah, there has been several other um, celebrities that have been outed recently for their sexually predatory behavior. And I just recently watched an extremely well-made but very disturbing documentary called An Open Secret. It's about child actor management agencies who are ba- that are basically ran by uh, basically pedophiles. And what's, what I found, found so fascinating about it, which also made it very disturbing, was that there's recordings of multiple um, of these like agents who worked for this child actor agency where they abused some of their clients when they were children. They have recordings of them very casually rationalizing why it's like, it's okay. It's like only natural, you know, like all, you know, all people have sexual urges, like age is just like a social construct. Like they have these really complex rationalizations for like why they're, you know, they're okay with it. It's really, I mean, it was, it, it gave me a whole new understanding of, I guess, just the scope and the breadth of at the very least, like underage sex happens in Hollywood, but pedophilia as well. So, you know, it really puts a lot of those, I, I wouldn't even really call them conspiracy theories, but the idea that like kids are trafficked around Hollywood, um, it really it really puts that in a whole new light. It's up on YouTube and Vimeo right now. You can watch it. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'd love to know what you guys think. And uh, yeah, reach out on, on SoundCloud, iTunes, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Let us know what you think and support us on Patreon. We're trying to get to that four episodes a month um yeah thank you so much for listening to the double whammy this week looking forward to seeing what you guys think yeah thank you so much for listening and please um donate to us on patreon if you can afford to um and you're a listener of this podcast um you can donate as little as one dollar a month we are trying to reach a goal right now um of five hundred dollars um and once we reach that goal we're gonna put out four episodes per month so um, please check it out and um, and yeah if you have any questions or comments please leave them on SoundCloud uh, timeline absolutely thanks so much everyone for listening peace